0: stories in the end. Just make it a good one, eh?
1: I'm Don Hall, and this is the Peculiar Journeys Podcast. And welcome to the second season of Peculiar Journeys. All right, well, the summer has been a gas so far, doing lots of events, consultating and planning, as well as a metric ton of literate aping. Last season was kind of a hit, and then I didn't really promote it much, and it still got a little over 500 scra- subscribers. So thank you so much for that. That's cool. I don't know how that happened, but far out. Over at Literate Ape, we're just getting set to introduce a whole bunch of new contributors, and I'm pretty thrilled. David Himmel, he's my co-editor, and I decided that paying the writers was our highest priority. So we figured out a modest pay structure that will only grow over time. Um, We start paying in September, so look for September for a whole lot of Literate Ape content. These cats are churning out some really great writing. We've also added a third literate ape show, Bug House, premiering on Monday, October 2nd at Haymarket Pub and Brewery. It's a 75-minute show designed to interrogate concepts, proselytize, proselytize truth, and dissect popular thought through a lens of skeptical artistry. Three bouts, six warriors, three decisions, Bug House aims to definitively answer the most and least important questions of the day. Is facebook good or evil should the nation's police force be abolished is ben affleck a better batman than michael keaton these questions and so many more will be explored debated and answered by a singular deciding judge randomly selected from the audience and soapboxed by some of chicago's finest writers stand-up comics musicians and poets for more information about all that crap check out literateape.com. all right So what is new with this season? How am I changing things up? Well, the format first is going to be less on me and more on other people different stories by people um, that don't get up on stages and tell stories and so the stories will be a little bit more raw a little more personal maybe Um, but we're going to hear we're going to hear stories from joe shanahan from the metro to my mom to a guy named conrad that i pass every day on the street on my way to the gym this guy just sits out there with his guitar and i see him every morning and for a long time he kept calling me keith and finally, he got my name right. So now, uh, now we know each other. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to have him tell me some stories. Second thing that's different is I'm going to be posting these every two weeks instead of weekly. I mean, as I continue to add plates spinning on poles, I need a little extra time to get it just right. Also, this way I get to end the second season just before my 52nd birthday. Mm, that's cool. Maybe there'll be a special episode. Never know. I'm also uh, trying to do some comprehensive show notes per episode with links and extras. Just head over to donhallchicago.com slash podcast to check those out. And finally, I just started a Patreon campaign to support the podcast. So if you aren't shy of the public radio model of online sponsorship, swing on over and throw me a few bucks per month so I can keep improving and expanding. I mean, the dollar-a-month level means you're just giving me 12 bucks for 13 episodes plus a lot of cool extras. No tote bags, though. All right. Today, we have three amazing stories from the Metro owner, Joe Shanahan. Originally recorded for the Metro 35th anniversary party, which Joe and Stacy Marcourt asked me to host, they ended up being cut that night because uh, it was just too much shit going on, so Joe's allowing me to use them here. Now, for those... Not in the know, and how could you not be in the know? But I'm gonna hear, I'm here, I'm here for you. Joe Shanahan founded the Metro and Smart Bar spaces way back in 1982 when I was freaking a sophomore in high school. He started with the Smart Bar, and it was up on the fourth floor with DJs like Frankie Knuckles and Joe Smooth. Then came, he he got the Metro, he called it Cabaret Metro, and he booked bands in that first year like Naked Ray Gun, Sonic Youth, R.E.M., The Replacements, The Ramones, New Order, Depeche Mode, fuck. It was, uh, Yeah. I think you get the I think you kind of get the idea. In the ensuing 35 years, the Metro stage and Smart Bar has been the stomping ground of thousands of bands and so many of them at that nascent stage. Like, it, it, I'm sure there are a billion stories of, oh, I saw this huge band before they were huge, and I, I guarantee you thousands of them were at the Metro. My first Metro experience. Way back in 1990 or 91, um, when I'd, I'd gotten to Chicago in '89, and uh, you know, so I'd, and I was a teacher, I was a, a, a public school teacher, and you know, and sometimes at nights when I didn't have jazz gigs, I'd walk around different neighborhoods to check out the digs and see what the city was like. So I was in Wrigleyville, you know, and I was over there at the time, and you know, and a lot of bars and Wrigley, obviously, you know. Wrigley Field and and stuff like that, and I was just kind of walking around, just looking at stuff, and there I came upon the Metro, and there's on the marquee, you know, the show's about to start, and you know it was like eight bucks, and I went, you know, all right, I'll, I don't know who this band is, but I'll go in, and it sounded like a cool band, right, you know, it sounded like they were, they were cool. Most band names are pretty cool, and so I thought, all right, that's I go check it out. Paid my eight bucks, uh, went upstairs, and absolutely had the time of my fucking life and it was my introduction to trent reznor and nine inch nails and it was extraordinary my latest metro story involved my final event produced for wbez the seventh annual winter block party for hip-hop arts when during a remarkable jamila woods set chance the rapper came backstage and asked if he could crash for a song I looked at him and said, let me think about it. I deadpanned him. And then I smiled and said, get your ass up there. And Chance, he blew the unsuspecting audience off their feet. It was a really excellent moment. It was one of those, again, it was one of those moments that you kind of only experience at the Metro. Um, For the 35th anniversary, I thought that getting some short stories to play throughout the night from Joe would be fun and apropos, so I met Joe at the G-Man Tavern next to the Metro the day before and recorded a few remembrances he had about musicians who'd figured large in the Metro legend. first
0: band that I have to really point to is the Ramones. Um, you know, that was a band that I sort of road-tripped for when I was in college. You know, uh, I went to school in Carbondale, and I remember the band playing in Champaign, or playing in St. Louis, or playing in Chicago, or playing in Detroit. And I went to those first tour or first album shows you know, um, before the club was even open. So when I opened the club, the one band that I really want to kind of put it certified, we're the real deal, was the Ramones. And we were able to do that. And you know, um, I got to know Johnny, probably the best. Um, I remember sitting with him um, years later, in California at kind of a swanky hotel bar and we talked about, it was amazing, we talked about baseball, number one. He was a huge baseball fan and I love baseball. So we talked about baseball and he's a nut for stats. I mean, that guy knew so much. It was crazy. It was like he had a, a computer in his head shooting off baseball, ERAs, you know, on base uh, percentages. It was like talking to Theo Epstein or something. Johnny Ramone, you know, and you know. Secondly, I think the one that I was maybe more drawn to because of the fact that um, he was a bit of the rough and tumble type was Dee Dee, and um, you know, Dee Dee was like this sort of you know incredible, um, you know, iconic
1: guy. You know, I mean, the sense that he maybe.
0: At times, I think had probably the most problems, you know, of, of anybody in the band. But an endearing guy, a really nice person. Every time I saw him, uh, and had a good memory. You know, he'd say, "Oh yeah, Joe," you know, Metro or, and etc. So, um, and then Joey. You know, I mean, really, uh, the fact that. Um, you know, I was able to spend some time with him. I know he came to Chicago to do a JBTV interview, and I, and somehow I got roped into that. And thankfully, I, I did because I was able to spend a little bit more quality time with Joey Ramone. And you know, he's he had quite the stories too. I mean, you know, a, a, you know, a rock and roll music sort of encyclopedia. You know, um, and. Uh, But that was it, you know, I mean, the Ramones helped sort of put me personally on the map musically, musically. and then of course, when the band was able to play Metro.
1: Ah, Joe, one of my favorite aspects of these recordings that I've been doing is that with my little microphone and, you know, either my iPad Pro or iPhone, I'm out and about. I'm recording in real-world locations. I mean, okay, sure, it's not studio fidelity, uh, but with all the podcasts out there that sound exactly like NPR, there's something fun about hearing the noise of the bar or the random Cubs fans coming in and bullshitting in the background, you know, sirens. It just, it's fun. It makes it feel, it reminds me that these stories take place in the world rather than a soundproof box and so that's part of the rationale and then the other part of the rationale is i don't work for wbez so i don't really have an access to a soundproof box now and i don't want to make one okay so joe owns the g-man as well as the metro and smart It used to be ginger man and joe bought it and uh for a long time it was just the G-Men, or it was just yeah, it was just G-Men, and the bar was, if you recall, if you'd ever been in the Ginger Men or had been in the G-Men at the time, front bar looked just like the front bar always looks, and then the back bar was kind of trashed up, and it had a pool table in the middle and all that kind of stuff. Well, he has remade the back area to be this super intimate stage. It's a really gorgeous stage, It's got great sound, it's got amazing things going on. Uh, they've got comedy, they have bands. Uh, the liter- two of our literate ape shows are there. Um, at one point, Dana and I got to be a part of about 45 people in the back area for a very special set by Mavis Staples. And it was freaking magic. So if you want a quick history of Metro or the Smart Bar or G-Man, check out this episode's show notes at donhallchicago.com slash podcast. So there'll be a lot. Maybe there'll be some photos. I don't know if I'll put photos, but if there's photos, that's cool. So, uh, and now, once again, uh, Joe Shanahan.
0: I also, I woke up today and I was thinking about about someone else that, you know, really sort of, you know, had such an important, um, or made such an impression upon me. And yeah, he was part of the, the, again, the only band that mattered at one time, and that was The Clash. And that artist being uh, Joe Strummer. And um, Joe was, um, loved Metro. And um, um, I was fortunate enough to DJ at the Aragon Ballroom opening for The Clash. I, would have, I had a DJ slot, I opened for The Clash. That was the opening act, or fill in the music between the bands kind of thing, more like it. And Cosmo, their manager, kind of picked up on it, and Don Letts kind of picked up on it. And it was interesting because then I invited them all to come back to Smart Bar, the original Smart Bar. And uh, they all did. They all came back. And that started, like, sort of this sort of like connection between myself and the band, but more importantly, with Joe. And when Joe left the Clash and did uh, the Mescaleros, you know, I mean, I I couldn't book that artist and that band quick enough or get behind that. Um, And um, Joe was one in a million. Uh, here we sit in the G-man tavern and I have his photograph on the wall uh, he and John Langford and I down at smart bar having a beer uh, anyone could walk up to him and talk to him about anything at any time he never turned a person away he was th- he'd, he'd sign an autograph he'd take a photo he didn't leave until the last person left he was that kind of guy um, but I have a memory of the fact that you know uh, he had such an Impression, left such an impression on me as a person and as a musician. Um, So, yeah, strummer,
1: it's a good one. One of the things that I love about Joe Shanahan is that, yeah, yeah, he's an influential promoter with a historic location. But at the heart of things, Joe Shanahan is just he's just the ultimate music fan, not just of the music, but of the people who make the music. I mean, G-Man is filled with posters and photographs of musicians. The evening card uh, for all three venues is filled with bands that Joe loves, and he's always out there meeting new artists and granting opportunities to anybody with a passion for creating live music. He is the ultimate fan who created the ultimate place for fans to congregate. I love that about Joe. I've been thinking a lot
0: about Prince these days. Um, you know, we were very fortunate to have um, Prince... Play Metro, pick Metro as a after hours or after show party where he would basically um, charge a nominal uh, amount of money at the door uh, and give all that money to the band. And, and, the, and the band stayed really sharp and tight. That's what he told me and that's what his manager told me. I said, why do you do this? And he was just like, keeps everybody super tight. We just go do covers, we just do, songs that you know we don't even do on the, in the show we don't do show tunes we just we're doing things off the set you know and i remember one time he came out on the stage in metro and the first thing he said was uh if anybody came here tonight to see prince drive his little red corvette just get the fuck out of here and they launched into sly and the family stone and they launched into the beatles and they launched into the rolling stones and they launched, they launched into santana and this was like mind-blowing you know 10 to like 18 or 20 minute jams on all these songs classics and that was an amazing thing for me to experience to to work with not just uh an icon but truly a musical hero of mine i i I admire prince and the way that he conducted conducted himself and conducted his business uh I almost went to jail. I almost went to jail for him, actually, because he went right up to the last minute. And, um, you know, it was like 3.59, and he's had to be done by 4 o'clock, and he ended exactly at 4 a.m. Police were standing there. The white shirts were already say Mr. Shanahan, this might be the day you go to jail. And I was like, I'm not pulling the plug on Prince. You have all the—you want to go on stage and do it? Please go on and do it. Uh, but he ended exactly at 4, and he knew. And, and his manager Billy actually mentioned to me, because he knew. I said, "Wow, I mean, I was sweating." Um, but I think about Prince. I think about the music he gave us. I think, I think about what and how he affected um, so much of what went on in Smart Bar. Because I mean, his records were played right along with hip hop and house and everything else. Prince was transcended all those genres. He was a prince, and that, and that. That goes without saying I'm um, so grateful and blessed at the fact that we were able to work with him and stand there in that room and see him do his thing. Um,
1: is joe shanahan remembering the ramones joe strummer and prince as recorded just prior to celebrating the 35th anniversary of the metro and smart bar a huge shout out goes to stacy Marcourt, my comrade in arms over on clark street i've worked with a lot of people in chicago and stacy is just one of absolutely right up at the top she's amazing she rocks um if you go over to the metro ask for stacy and give her a hug because she rocks now the 35th anniversary party Holy shit, that was four hours of booze and delicious food and so much love and respect given all night long. I mean, it was kind of a clusterfuck because there were so many people that were getting up on stage and had been scheduled to get up on stage and, and speak, and everybody had been told, you know, can you keep it to three to five minutes? And no one did because everybody had so much stuff they wanted to say. In addition to that, Stacey put together a series of four videos that we played uh, during the evening showing hundreds of clips of bands that played there on that stage, 1982 to 1992, 92 to 2002 and so forth. And it was, it was kind of amazing. It was astounding to see how much talent and punk rock balls graced that stage. I was and am just prouder than shit to have been on that stage that night and to be considered a part of that metro family. All right, one more patreon plug. Regular patrons of the one dollar per month level will get extra Joe Sh- one one extra Joe Shanahan story as he tells us about Iggy Pop, but only for those patreon donors. For that story, you go over to www.patreon.com/peculiar Journeys, Toss me a few bucks. I guarantee you'll be glad you did. A couple of quick plugs for Literate Ape. Tuesday, August 22nd at G Man at 8 p.m. is Identity Flip Sexual Awakenings. Six writers flip stories of when they knew what their thing was. I just want to point out that this will feature both David Fink and Roberta Miles. So it's going to be. It's gonna be a fucking two to force. Thursday, August twenty-fourth at G Man is the sickest fucking stories I ever heard at nine PM. Join dealer David Himmel and a cast of local comedi- comedians as they play Texas Hold'em and trade stories of the grotesque sick and depraved. If you have not seen the show, it really is it's worth the fifteen bucks and it's a blast. You can find out all about literate ape events at literateape.com/slash events. If you want to tell your stories, if you're listening to these stories and go, God, I've got stories to tell, or you heard any of Joe's stories and went, you know, I met Adam Ant or somebody, I don't give a shit, uh, but you don't really have a place to go and tell that story, let me recommend Do Not Submit in Chicago. They've got nine different neighborhood venues, 18 hosts. It's free to go to. It's an open mic. You show up. You put your name on the list. At some point in the evening, you get up and tell your story. Just that simple. No judgment. There are no rules. It's just like, here's, you go tell, I think it's like seven or eight minutes. Just tell your story. That's it. Go to do not DonotsubmitChicago.com for dates and venues. I highly, highly recommend that you take, that take them seriously because Do Not Submit is sort of a treasure in the city of Chicago. All right. This has been episode 14 of Peculiar Journeys, the beginning of the second season. I hope you enjoyed listening to it. Um, I hope that you will subscribe on iTunes if you want to give me a a little review or, you know, a star review. If you think it's cool, that always helps. That always gets people listening. That's always good. If you want to sort of just really financially help out and do that public radio thing, go to patreon.com slash peculiar journeys and throw me a couple of bucks. With that in mind, won't see you, won't hear from me for another uh, two weeks, but uh, we've got some really special stuff coming up this month and this season, so keep listening. Thanks.